show, we have a little therapy session as we discuss how we survived the beta summer. iOS 10 and Android N are both officially out, and it's time to update your apps, integrate some new APIs, and start making some money on the App Store. All that and more on this week's Merch Conflict. James, this is both simultaneously my favorite time of year and most dreaded time of year. Can you guess why? Uh, because it's, you know, the fall is coming, you know, you know, it's going to be pretty. So like the leaves are changing, but then also, you know, snow is coming, which is good because then you can go snowboarding or skiing, but also bad because it's slip and slidey and no one knows how to drive in the snow here in Seattle. Well, that's definitely why it's the best time of year for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But why is it the worst time of year? I love snow. Come on. Snow's great. Could it possibly be that for the last, I don't know, nine, 10, 12 months that, your apps were happily living in an app store and you didn't really have to do much, but all of a sudden two new operating systems are dropping. That's right. Beta summer is over and all the released versions of the operating system are coming out and I have to deal with that with every released version of my app. And it's this time of year that I'm reminded just how many apps I have in the app store. Yeah, it's, it seems a little bit different. I know some developers and some companies, right, that they have like 50, 60, 70, 100 applications in the app store. I can't even imagine the stress oh right now of that. <laughs> well, I don't think a lot of them care. I, um, I have noticed a lot of my flight apps still haven't updated to the iPhone 6. So maybe they just don't care. But well, we're not those still people, rocking, are we? <laughs> are they still rocking the cutoff top screen and bottom screen and oh, it's non-2X? Just, yeah. Yeah, do you get the big blurry keyboard or whatever it is? Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> you you actually That's... you see it most on the iPad apps. Uh, when you have the iPad Pro and no one's scaled up their iPad apps yet, you get this giant keyboard on your screen and it's big and blurry and ugly. <laughs> well, yeah, and it and it seems like I remember when I was was doing a lot of releases for a company where every build like i started with ios 5 i think and then i have iphone 6 ios 7 or 6 came out and ios 7 like changed the entire user interface but it's mm-hmm. not actually even just the new os's it's the new hardware because i remember when the 4s jumped to the 5 and it was like okay you need a new splash screen you need to recompile you need to re-upload <laughs> against the latest sdk and you're like oh gotta scramble because i was getting bad reviews like the day one because all these people are getting new hardware and they were expecting this great experience so yeah we're we're attacked from both sides (laughs) it's exciting though because sometimes with the new hardware comes new features and new apis things that you can take advantage of but it becomes a real balancing act when you already have long established apps in the store so how do you handle it what's um what's your system how do you deal with the summer well, it depends. You know, the summer really begins sometimes in the spring um, <laughs> because it, it's all around Google I.O. and WWDC, right? Mm-hmm. So at WWDC and Google I.O., these new OSs are announced. And that 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 point of the year, like I'm comfy, right? Literally the last, it's the you know, best. Six, We're all excited because our apps are working. We've had plenty of time to get them running. And now new features are coming. It's really exciting time of year, the end of spring. Yeah, everything it's good, right? It's just like, oh, this is great. And then yeah. you get excited for new features. You're like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to, but don't like, how am I going to add? Or do I have yeah, a new brainstorming idea? Brainstorming sessions. Yeah. You try to think up new apps. 
Yeah, and it's great until like you read the documentation. You're like, oh, here's this breaking change and that breaking change. <laughs> or they change and, how view controllers work again. Like maybe you yeah. got to re-architect your entire app. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Or they change the entire user interface. Um, <laughs> or added new permissions and you realize your app crashes on load now. That's never good. Yeah. And well, you know, I look at it this way. So the first thing I do is I say, are there going to be, if, if my application, because if we have a lot of applications, let's take an, take an application like my step counter, which is in the app store today on, on Android and Mike James has it for iOS and he's been fine on iOS, but Android ends coming out. I go, okay, like all my applications, I know what they use. I kind of know what permissions, what SDKs I'm using, what libraries I'm using. And I first go like, cool. Are there going to be any changes that are going to require me to recompile? Like my step counter, it's been kind of just doing its own thing. I haven't really, mm -hmm. I haven't really wanted to do much with it because I don't want to kill the application. I haven't added new features. There's a few thousand people using it. And I'm like, I'm pretty okay with it. Like it's a free app, whatever. And for the most part, as long as you stick to guidelines on how you're supposed to write apps, you obey all the user interface restrictions and whatnot, the idea is they should keep working even through the big OS changes. Exactly. So the first thing I do is I don't install anything on my dev machines or builds. I just, if I can get access to a beta build of iOS 10 or Android N, I do that first. And I go, okay, do my apps all still work? And mm -hmm. if they do, everything is amazing. So, right? is, okay, wait, we got to be clear though. Is this on a test device or do you use your main device for these um, betas? I, so, ooh, so ooh. previously I only would do test devices, but uh, yeah, actually, you know, I only do test devices in the very, very beginning. So I have an extra iPhone and an extra Android device sitting around and like a pure Nexus device, pure iOS device. And I update those to the beta. My production real phone that I use on a day to day basis that gets updated like midway through, like after the okay. first few previews. A little conservative, I'm like, but you still jump in eventually. And this is a recent establishment. This is the first year I've ever done that. Previously, it was GM only. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So I I, uh, I jumped in on iOS 7 on my main device. And for those who don't remember, it was a major change to the operating system. And mm -hmm. basically, no apps worked. The operating system really didn't work very much. <laughs> but it was very pretty. Uh, and I figured, well, ever since then, I suffered through that. Somehow I got through the iOS 7 beta. So now I can handle pretty much any beta on my phone now because yeah. none of them can possibly be that bad ever again. <laughs> so well, I just go straight, yeah. to the, straight to the main device, man. And, and if it's that drastic of a change, like if I was making iOS applications and that was it, and iOS 7 was a drastic change to the U, UI because the skeuomorphism was gone and it was a flat design. And what's actually important is to see like how is Apple developing these applications and how do I make my applications look yeah. like these applications? And to do that, you really have to use the operating system. I agree 100%. In fact, uh, that was my main argument for always doing it was I need to spend three months actually kind of using the apps and trying to understand and bake it into my brain after three months, hopefully, of how these things are supposed to work. Yeah, and we've been lucky for the last few years. I mean, with Android, um, Lollipop was like three years ago for material design and iOS 7 that was, was three, three years, years ago. ago. Wow. Yeah, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's looking good. Then, Apple sometimes throws us curveballs, though. If you look at, say, the music app for inspiration, <laughs> they change it mm-hmm. on every version, and you can't quite figure out what the heck they're doing or what the design inspiration is. But at least they uh, usually publish some design guidelines for each new OS if they want you to do something different. Uh, UI design guidelines, even. Yeah, that's the first thing I look at. I look at API changes. I look at the new API specs. I look at design changes. Um, and I mean, that's to me like, all right, so if my application is living there today, it's an old application or I have to upgrade, like, do I have to change anything? Like for Android N, I was really worried. Is that what you're looking for? I, I, I dive into the API also, but I'm just looking for new stuff. I'm always excited for new features. Mm, see, no, as, an, you're, as, you're a main, <laughs> as a main Android developer, I have to worry, I, I get excited every few months because I'm always getting new uh, Android support libraries and Google Play services updates <sighs> and things like that. Like oh. Android N is nothing for me. It's it's literally is my app going to break because they changed how <laughs> it's SQLite. It's a lot of compatibility errors. That's what it is for you. So that's no new features. It. You you weren't oh darn, that stinks. There's no new there's there's some new features in it, right? But for me, I'm like, okay, does my app work in split yeah. screen mode? Cool, it oh. works. All right. Oh, they broke how SQLite's going to work, but not yet, <laughs> but in the future they're going to change it, so I better update now. So but also Frank, remember that there's going to be one person using my application on Android N for the next, it's going to be me. Uh, you know, it's I'm not sorry. that bad. It's getting better. No, but, you know, no. I don't have to worry until like, when does the next, the, like for me as an Android developer, it's when does the next Galaxy device ship that is going to launch with Android mm-hmm. Nougat? That's what I worry about. So we um, don't have for, it quite that good as iOS developers because come release day when the operating system's released, I, I don't know numbers. I'm going to make something up, but it's like more than 50%, it feels like, of customers upgrade because immediately it feels like everyone has the new OS. Yeah, I just saw um, some statistics and I think it was 95% of people are on iOS 9. Within the first few months? Oh, okay, by the end of the cycle. Okay. By the end of the cycle, which is amazing. It is, but it is. <laughs> within the first two weeks, I think it's usually 60 to 70%. Yeah. So if you have one of those permission bugs that makes your app crash or you haven't adopted the new user interface, or you don't scale to the new hardware screen size, you look kind of bad because a lot of people are going to see it. Yeah, a lot of people are going to see it and a lot of people leave feedbacks or just bug you. Uh, the and one star reviews doesn't work on this new OS that was released today. <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a huge issue oh, just in general. Me. And I remember we didn't update to iOS 7 UI for a while. I got brought back in as a contractor to do that work a few years later. That was a big pain. Um, but luckily, I had done it so late that I no longer had to worry about supporting iOS 7. I could just target iOS 8. And that was oh, like yeah, a, a much better. <laughs> that was much better. Um, there there but, weren't so many changes between those ones. That's fair. No. Yeah. Yeah. There's no big changes. So like for me, like maintaining and upgrading the apps is like good. Cause like, am I actually working on it? Do I want to put new work in it? Like if I'm working on an application and then I get excited about a new API, I'm going to go, go learn all the new APIs. Like uh, if I was doing a, you know, some chat application or something, I'd be looking right now at the iMessage API, right. To mm-hmm. see what I could do there, sticker packs or something like that. But for me, I get worried because I present a lot. So it's actually really hard for me to install like beta builds of Xcode and beta builds of Xamarin and and, like Visual Studio stuff. And then I'm like worrying about all these other SDKs. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to, 
you know, do all this stuff for a bit. So I actually have actually this release played it really safe. I didn't install a single beta. Mm, mm. Mm, no exploration, huh? <laughs> no exploration. No new because apps for you on day one, huh? No new apps for me on day one because I looked at the Android the Android release stuff and I wasn't too excited about anything. And all I'm doing is just maintaining and updating my apps because of the Android N changes. So definitely getting there. And that was good because I ended up putting, what I ended up doing is putting all my applications in CI. <laughs> that was the first thing I did. Yeah, and Cause I was like, all right, if I do have to update these things again in six months, I want to not have to like pull down the source code, do all this stuff. I wanted to be simplified. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't do anything. I was I was pretty pretty okay because even iOS, I don't know, it just didn't. It just, I was like, eh, whatever. Well, maybe but, I have it a little easier than you. I've been using the same system for about the last three or four cycles of this. Um, I just take my laptop, and my laptop gets designated the beta machine. So, uh, if I'm really risking it, I'll put the newest uh, Mac OS on there. But I'll at least put the newest Xcode on there. Get because um, I upgraded my personal device, I'll get my personal device paired with it and all that set up. And then that just gets designated. This is the beta machine. Any stuff I want to do that's uh, new and fascinating, I do it on this machine. And I leave my main work machine, uh, desktop computer, and I leave that perfectly alone <laughs> because <laughs> you never know. Like A lot of times, uh, we were talking about breaking changes with the new operating systems. A lot of times you can fix those breaking changes uh, it's still using an old build. Uh, you can work around what you know will be a break in the new operating system. Sometimes that's not smart, but sometimes you have users that already use the new operating system, so they kind of push you along. So it's good to have the old machine around for sure. I wouldn't go 100% beta. Yeah, and I think that you know this year it was a lot different where previously in iOS 9, it was actually a bigger difference. I had a designated machine too, um, mm-hmm that I did that on I actually installed because I was like what mm, I wasn't what was before Sierra what's the current Mac? oh don't ask me these things El Capitan yeah <laughs> yeah El I had like installed El Capitan I had, was ready for iOS 9 because that was a pretty big change for all the TLS stuff and all the mm. different stuff that they were doing for the ATS or whatever Apple Apple tr- yeah. app transport security Apple transport security <laughs> Exactly. It's like I actually had to network do all this stuff. The yeah. network restrictions. So I totally did the almost the exact same thing. And what was really important is, yeah, don't mess with your main machine. If it yeah. is still building <laughs> on your machine, like leave it alone. And in fact, do VMs, right? Do You could do a VM that's like, I know that this app builds in this environment. Like I sometimes yeah. you may have to go back and update an app and build against a very specific version of Xcode or an Android library or something like that. And that's actually quite important is I sometimes worry that people are always like updating, like, oh, new releases available, like update, update, update. Maybe just like give it a, a second <laughs> to like, <laughs> to, like, you know, make sure if you're well, on production the pros, level. Like we said, you want to do, you want to experience the new software to make sure if there's any UI changes you should make to your app. But you mentioned continuous integration before, and I'm a bit jealous because I've tried three times now to get all my apps under continuous integration. The first time I was successful, but then they slowly decayed and came (laughs) and the newer apps weren't added. And now today, I don't really have any of my apps in continuous integration. So you've been able to pull that off? Yeah, I have um, most of them in continuous integration with continuous deployment, like my step counter. I took the time to do that. Meetup manager I'm putting in now. I actually have some build issues, so I'm working around that. Um, But yeah, so I actually have it. So literally with every commit, 
and we'll, we should do a whole episode on this, but with oh, every yeah. commit, yeah, it totally builds it, submits it to hockey app, and then I have to approve it and it pushes it to the app store. And are you doing double builds then on the beta versus the current one also? Single build. Uh, Single build. On the beta or not on the beta? Just um, trying to get so, to know your system. Yeah, so like it goes through continuous integration and it builds it. And then it goes into release management. And the release management will automatically ship it to Hockey App. And sure, I can install yeah. that. And then I guess what I was if, asking is if you're compiling against the beta SDK, though, uh, the new API. Here's the problem with continuous integration is if you use a, a cloud hosted solution, then it's up to whatever them that's installed. Yeah. Right? You actually so they need don't to do point it at your local. The, the cloud hosted CIs, they don't update to the betas? Yeah, see, that's the problem. Some do and some don't, right? So mm-hmm. like VSTS is on stable. And that's it. They're like, we only have stable. So yeah. even if I wanted to, then that's another problem too. Even if I wanted to like de- develop against Android N, I'd have to point it at my dev machine, mm-hmm. which is okay. You can totally do that. That's yeah, fine. But you lose the benefits of the cloud. Exactly. And then BitRise, they actually have the ability to, I think they do a nightly build against the three, or maybe you can pick which one you want, but they do have VMs that you can do that on. Um, I haven't tried it though, but they should be able to. And then you, but the thing is now you're like, all right, now I have to manage what Xcode is installed and what Android yes. SDKs are installed. And I have to and do that with my library product matches those. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's kind of a pain, but, uh, so that's the first thing as I do is like, all right, cool. And I got lucky because with, um, Android N all of the breaking changes you could fix without actually targeting against and building against Android Right, Th- those were what I was talking about. Yeah, that happens in lucky. iOS from time to time also. And yeah. those are the best breaks, honestly, when you can fix them before the new OS is out. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I did, and I got pretty lucky. Um, so I was ready. I'm like, my apps were ready on day one, right. essentially, yeah. to, to go there, and it uh, didn't take a lot of time. But yeah, continuous integration is is great. And, and then there's certain levels, like at this time of year, where you're like, hmm, all right, now i got to w- do more work, but... And this is the time where it's actually nice to be like, all right, so if I'm just developing a new app idea, I'll just do it on this machine. And then, you know, later on, I'll put it in CI or something. <laughs> and later on for me is uh, seems to be infinity, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> or you could or you could set it up and just have it keep breaking, like and just never build successfully. But hey, it's there, you know, <laughs> so but I don't but know. I don't to even me, think even continuous integration. I'm not even sure if it can solve all our problems because uh, your unit test most likely will still pass. It'll probably still build. A lot of times, it's just user interface stuff. Um, yeah. At least in iOS, I don't get too yeah, many when, of those regressions that crash your app. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, you usually don't. And that's the nice thing about mobile in general is I haven't had too many breaking changes. The nice thing is if you're using like UI testing, like um, yeah. a test So file. talk about holy grails. A, I wish I could get into continuous integration. B, I wish I get could get UI tests into my continuous integration. Because you're right, that's where things would shine, where you find out, oh, clicking that button doesn't do what it was supposed to do anymore. Finding all those regressions. Yeah, those regressions are good. Because even the test cloud, they already have like iOS 10 and Android N devices that they upgrade to throughout the cycle. So here's what I usually recommend. Yeah, just do a app dot screenshot and like after it launches, mm-hmm. like if, if that's your minimal yep. test, that's great. <laughs> Those are basically all my tests. It's basically bring up a screen screenshot, bring up another screen screenshot, and then I'll just go and check those. Yeah. 
And that's pretty good because then you can see like, all right, I haven't changed my app, but is it breaking on iOS 10? And it, it could be different devices too, iPad and all this stuff. It's crazy. Um, I don't know. But, you know, I think that maintaining an app is like super important, right? Because like, all right, we got to maintain these apps. We got to update it. But it's a great opportunity more than anything. I think that while you should make sure that your apps are updating and running, like that's what I try to do early on, right? Like if it works in the early betas, that's great. If it doesn't work in the early betas, can I fix it? Or is yeah, it something that don't Google sweat did? It too much, at least in iOS land, the early betas are pretty rough sometimes. So if your app is crashing or something like that, maybe wait till the second beta to freak yeah. out. First beta, yeah, same don't freak with, out. <laughs> same with Android. Like, you know, same thing, even though they're, these betas are easier than ever. Like my, you know, brother always has the iOS 10 betas. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you, why would you do that like, you know <laughs> don't do that fortunately that's usually not the actual first beta uh at least in the past couple of years that they've been doing it that's usually what the second or third beta that actually gets out to the public so they give us one opportunity to check over our software yeah they want yeah exactly at least have a little overview but it is a great opportunity because you know not only is the hardware evolving but also the software is evolving at the same time. So we know we covered um, the Apple event with the new hardware, but also we've been known, we've known a little bit about these APIs for a long time. So it's like, if you're getting ready to go into the fall, you've had the last three or four months to at least be thinking about app ideas, studying the new APIs, (laughs) and then being there day one to actually have an application that takes advantage of all this new stuff. Have you been doing this on iOS 10 at all? <laughs> I haven't. Every year I tell myself I'm going to, though. It really is an opportunity when you see Apple releasing a new API, which really made me sad for you, man. Like, if you don't have new APIs to look forward to, uh, how are you going to take advantage of these little niche things? You don't. You don't. <laughs> Wonderful. You don't. Well, let you me tell you about to. iOS land, yeah. man. Go for <laughs> little, it. Hit me. Little niche things, they tend to make a little bit of money. So if there is a new capability opened up, everyone remembers when Safari extensions could start blocking ads. And so Apple basically opened up a whole new area for app uh, for apps, and that's content blockers. And if you were a day one app, chances are you would do better than if you were, say, one year later because you've been drowned out by all the competition at that point. So there's a lot of benefits to being a day one app. But you don't have that. (laughs) I don't have that. We have to always be aware of what's going on in Google Play services and Firebase. Do you get excited when like a new support library comes out then? Like, are they ever adding new features to older devices? Does that get you excited? Oh, yeah. So so that's (laughs) that's the cool thing is that. I don't have to wait for everyone to update their devices or operating system. It just works <laughs> on all the old devices too, which yeah. is really cool. So if they do some new amazing API, then I can take advantage of it um, right away. Um, so that, that but, must get you somewhat excited to have that. Oh, oh yeah. Spur they're, they're, the app ideas. Yeah, they did some really cool uh, vision APIs recently. This was like before cognitive services and before yeah. a bunch of awesome libraries. They were doing like, really awesome like facial recognition and I was like, oh man how could i apply this to like some healthcare mm-hmm. stuff it's like cool demos right that you could do um and a lot of things around maps that they're always improving on and to me they do a lot of stuff around material design and android it's to me it's really about making this really elegant user interface and taking advantage yeah. of these new apis that was and your ios can, 7 moment where you just said oh yeah. all my apps look ugly now <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly and and what's interesting is that they 
since they release the support libraries and they're bundled into your application, it's not like you have to wait for the OS to update. So yeah. if they release a new support library, you get to take advantage and recompile. And sometimes they fix bugs and they add new controls and new widgets and you can really finely tune your application that way. So I get excited. Um, but, but I get never, excited. It's around. never pushed you to that point where you wanted to write a day one app. This has happened to me many times. I've written so many prototypes, I guess, or demos that I really wanted to ship on day one when the operating system's released, but I never quite finished them. Yeah, you don't have that same problem as me? Um, I used to. You used to? Oh, you're past used it, to. huh? I'm just used to it hard, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, my, my step counter came out of the fact that on Android KitKat, they implemented a new API for uh, uh, step, step counting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they're, the problem, though, is I got really excited about it because there's this new API, just like they had that API in iOS, I think, seven yeah. i think right i don't even remember yeah sure <laughs> i think so i think so i think seven and the thing was it was cool because it, you had one sensor that was made for doing this and mm-hmm. some so, so phones support it and some didn't but you could access the sensor so i got really excited and mm-hmm. we, as soon as they announced that and i got android kitkat i created my ported my step counter over because previously you'd have to try to like do all these sense all these other sensors and triangulate and try to like be like oh is this a step is it not a step and it'd be very battery heavy because these sensors oh, yeah. are expensive <laughs> yeah. um yeah so i created my step counter i did it in i i ever i worked like every night until like four in the morning or something like that and i got it done in a week um and I got it out to the app Classic. store, which is very cool. Classic. So you were on Classic. day one? I was, uh, I we'll was call like it week, week one, one, month one, week one or whatever, <laughs> okay, something like yeah. that. It was like week one. I got really excited yeah. about it. But the problem is that there was already all these other step counter pedometer uh, applications that were using yeah. sensors. <laughs> so it's not like that's the problem. So I got excited about an API where people already made apps off of it. That but, actually happens a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's like for me, I get excited in the hardware space. I think that if I had more time, like right now, there is a new API that's getting me really excited in Android N. And it actually has to do with the TV. Um, so not actually the main device or watch or anything, but on Android TV, they released okay. a new API to do dedicated um, TV DVR recordings. Okay. You couldn't and, record before? Uh you could, but not with a native API. Ah, okay. So now you want yeah. to create some kind of crazy autonomous robot recording machine? Well, I mean, if you followed my career at all, I'm really into home theater media. PCs yeah. and, <laughs> and media. You know, there's Plex, there's Movies, a lot of other things. Things like yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, for me, I would love to just mess around. Like I, like I watch TV on my Android TV based off of HD home run and they have like DVR, like they don't have DVR, they just have live streaming, but it'd be really cool for me to, I don't know, maybe create an application that records, cuts out commercials, has custom properties to do skipping and rewinding. Wow. Anyways, I would totally geek out on it and then stream it to like my devices, but these are native APIs. So I got excited, but I just don't have time. But you, just you know, I do get it, excited. Oh. See, Frank, I do get excited. It I sounded like excited. you cracked the TV problem. You could have like really yeah. solved it for all of us. No, someone else I'm sure will do it. <laughs> so I think we all work but, on TV apps, though. I even work on one myself from time to time. <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard space. to resist. I was really excited yeah. when the Apple TV came out. Talk about new hardware. They gave us a whole new device to program on. And I was yeah, super new excited. Operating system, new device. Yeah, everything. kind of a new operating system. A lot of things still worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, were you there on day one? Nope. 
and I'm not there yeah. on year one either, unfortunately. But uh, same thing happened with the watch. I had a great little uh, health app. I think everyone's tried to write a health app before, too. Had a great little health app working on a little watch. Never released that either. <laughs> so, but at least, at least you can get some experimentation out and somewhat justify it during the summer. The beta is a good excuse for that, too. Yeah, the yeah to me it's like I, I always at least I always look at all of the APIs right I'm always like all right let me look at all of them what gets mm -hmm. me excited and if there is a time that I'm going to experiment it's going to be now yeah because otherwise you're going to be repairing your app for the rest of the fall <laughs> or at least Correct. I will be yeah yeah well you know when it so there's reasons to be there day one so there's the promotion of it that you may get featured in the app store yeah, um, which especially is good, if you're in a new little niche, a new little mm -hmm. opened area. I can only imagine that iMessage applications are going to be highly featured. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a whole new store. I don't know if people realize that, but they've basically opened a whole new store, a little bit even separate from the App Store. Don't worry, from your perspective, it's still just a store. You do your thumbprint or whatever, and you can buy an app. But for application developers, it's almost like iMessages has become a little operating system because you can write messages apps that run inside of it now. And cool. talk about, yeah, you really need to brainstorm this one, though, because it's all about conversational UIs and doing collaborative kind of editing of documents and things like that. So it's exciting, but it's pretty new and good time to experiment. But, oh, my God, I don't know even what to experiment on. <laughs> That kind of becomes a problem sometimes is that you don't get that great app idea until like after. Yeah. <laughs> or unfortunately, you see someone else's idea and you're like, oh, I'm so stupid. That was such an obvious and great idea. That's the worst. <laughs> but it's going to yeah. happen anytime they open up new APIs and new stuff like this. Just happens. But it's fun, yeah. too, because you can watch. Uh, it's fun to follow developers on Twitter and see what other developers are doing, too. I'm always inspired by other people. Yeah, you, you have to kind of see what's out there. It's like, what app, what is, I kind of really closely watch the Google events, the Apple events to say, oh, what, you know, what, what actual new APIs are they using in this? Maybe it's just like, you didn't really see it. They're not like highlighting it, but it could be in the application. So when I update their apps, like, what are they doing in here? Like, how else could I use this one thing that they're doing and, and craft something off of it? Um, but then also seeing like what the trends are. Often a lot of these APIs are crafted based on, yeah. What else is happening in the world? For this instance, this was the year of chatbots. Exactly. Thank you, Slack. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. all their fault. <laughs> it's all that. It's all about. It's all about chatbots. And clearly, iMessage they did multiple things, but that was a big inspiration. So, yeah. chatbots aren't new, right? I can go into Slack right now and I can ask uh, so Poncho, Poncho Cat, what the weather <laughs> is, and like, what's the weather? You know, um, is that our future? Are we all just going to be chatbotting now? I mean, I love Alexa, but. Ooh, chat UIs for everything, huh? Not a fan of the chat bot. Um, mm. I don't think I get it. I don't think I get across by asking the my Slack thing to order me pizza. <laughs> like I could just order pizza online. <laughs> yeah, it seems a little risky, actually, given me and my friends. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem that I have with, Slack, with like bots, right, is for instance, this this I installed one into my Slack to ask Poncho Cat what the weather was. So you say, you know, Poncho Cat 98103 or whatever your zip code is, 985282 and whatever. And it like lists it off. It's a like, cool Poncho Cat five day forecast for this zip code. I can just go to weather.com, 
or I could just like open my phone and hit the weather button. You don't even uh, have like to do a, that. It's on the home screen now when you just flip the phone up. <laughs> that That's very true. And if I want to, then I can tap on that and I'd be like, oh, here's the full like. No, but weather is hilarious. Like the number one question for Alexa is weather by a large margin. Everyone just wants to know the weather. So whichever way works for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that people like, I mean, there's a reason that chatbots are popular. It's because of that. And it's a great time to be exploring those APIs. Um, and I think one, probably one, I don't know, one API in iOS 10 that has me excited, we talked about it on the, the, the after the Apple event, is the wide color spectrum. I don't know. Oh, I saw yeah. Mike Bluestein talk about that. That just seems like an exciting API. I don't know why. But it's exciting to me because maybe I can use these new colors and new things in different ways in my apps. I'm not sure. I'm I'm sure you can. We'll we'll probably need some guidance on how. But um, I'm happy just because it feels modern. I think Mm -hmm. ever since I learned how we constrained colors, probably around college time, so many, many years ago, I learned how just bad colors are on our monitors and things like that and our color, uh, how we represent colors in a computer. And it was always pretty sad <laughs> that I, I learned like, oh, the light blaring sun, I think I mentioned this on the previous podcast, is the same as a white piece of paper. That's just kind of silly. So just from peace of mind, knowing that, oh, good, we are finally living in the future. Let's keep advancing the state of the art. So in that case, I don't plan on doing anything with that API. I'm just happy <laughs> to know it's there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, and you know, sometimes it's Progress. not about using, you know, it's not great about creating a whole new app. It's about integrating a feature into mm-hmm. your app. And if you are using that, like if you're a photo taking app or a video app and you're using these things, that's another great reason to start integrating these APIs for day one release because Apple, Apple does a really interesting job and updating and highlighting applications. Do you know how that works at all, Frank? Because you're You've been highlighted, oh, I think, a few times. Yeah, right? I have. And if I knew how it worked, I'd be a lot richer. Magic. <laughs> the Magic. truth is, no, I, I really don't. Um, if you do well on the store, there tends to be a positive feedback cycle. But that's all I can tell you. If you do well, you do weller. <laughs> more and more weller. well. <laughs> <laughs> the but what triggers that cycle and all that? Ugh, it's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, from my understanding, too, is let's say you're a relatively popular application and or you're releasing a new application using a new API, you can actually email Apple, like the actual mm-hmm. Apple App Store team, and you can, you know, tell them Ask, about your app. At least ping them. Yeah. Put it like, on their radar. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's actually a very like interesting time right now, because if you are using these new APIs and you want to do some stuff, it's a perfect time to actually learn not only the new APIs, but also start listening to podcasts, reading blog posts from really um, successful developers in those spaces and see what how they did it. Like if they have mm-hmm. any recommendations, um, I've listened to a few podcasts just about the app store in general. Um, I actually do it for the podcast. Like how do I be make a successful podcast and what's the <laughs> best way to publicize a podcast? It's, sometimes it's so more meta. about releasing. It is. Yeah, it totally is. I, listening about podcasts not just about creating podcasts, but then marketing a podcast and being yeah. a successful podcast. So you have to do yeah, the same well, thing with Speaking of marketing, I'm kind of kicking myself now because that's true. You, you really should uh, email the person. At worst, it costs you the time it takes to write that email. At best, if you get promoted, you get some, uh, you get some money. Yeah. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. yeah. It's worth the email. Yeah. 
kicking yeah, myself also, right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not only just that, right? It's about how can you leverage some of the new other things that aren't even in the OS that are in the actual store integrations. Like there's the new subscriptions, right? You can now mm-hmm. have subscriptions inside any application, for instance. Yeah. Another great time um, of year to think about pricing. We all hate thinking about pricing, but they tend to uh, align these API changes with other crazy changes, these meta changes to store changes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. oh boy, Apple, thanks for throwing it all on us at once. <laughs> exactly. Or is it a great time to just rev your application to a new V2 and do publicity around it? Because when a new OS comes out, people are in the app store. It's people tempting, are it's going tempting, there. But I got to advise not to do that. The summertime, no. you should really be in maintenance mode. You should be on vacation, number one. Number two, <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely be on maintenance mode, really just dealing with the betas. Once you've proven mm-hmm. that the beta's done, then do feature work. I think it's a real... It's a trap for me, and I, I think I'm preaching right now because I'm, I'm actually yelling at myself and trying to make myself learn this lesson, that every time I open up the source code, you just kind of want to start adding features. Or you remember yeah. a nice little feature that could be added here, or you bring up your to-do list, oh, there's a bunch of little ones. So while you're doing maintenance work and uh, checking for the beta, you start to do feature creep. And it, it's a, it can be a problem. It, maybe if you're just supporting one app, but if you're supporting 10, it can be a real problem. Yeah, I like I like uh, I like to make sure I have stuff ready for Christmas. That's a pretty popular time. Yeah, for exactly. Devices. If you're going to do it. Yeah. If you want to do feature work, do it for Christmas. Yeah. Just survive the summer. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited to have everything actually now installed up and ready. Now that things are GA, I can really actually diving into some of the new APIs. And I may not be there day one, but maybe I'll have It'll some new ideas for. We'll all be there month mm-hmm. one month one yeah at least <laughs> at least my app won't crash that's important so. <laughs> is that a promise um, i'm not gonna yeah, make that promise, promise. Tested. I'm, I'm gonna work tested. my butt off but i'm not gonna promise <laughs> tested and approved and hey it works on my nexus 6p ah that's all perfect. that matters <laughs> android has great awesome. cross-device compatibility <laughs> awesome well there you have it uh this is merge conflict talking about all the latest and greatest Android N, iOS 10. This is, this is great. I love it. Yeah, that was a fun episode. Well. Again, I think we had a little bit of a psychiatry session there, a little bit of talk out your pain session, but it was still fun. You got to do it. Well, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thank you very much for listening. 